everybody. Welcome again. I'm going to make this a super strong intro because last week's was not as strong. This week, we're watching Jurassic Park, the original from 1993. Even though I, I tried to get us to watch the, the far superior um, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I was... I was shouted down, unfortunately, for everyone. I would like at the end to have a little bit of time after we've talked about how good this movie is to then (laughs) talk about Fallen Kingdom, specifically the dinosaur auction scene. I would like to to have that as part of this discussion, please. All right, we'll table that. Is Fallen Kingdom the second Jurassic World? Correct, yes. Uh, Tate never seen that. Lucky you. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) You guys, we're off to a great start so far. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to go first? Um, well, I mean, the last time we started with just kind of like what our relationship to the movie is. So maybe that could be a good jumping off point here as well. Um, in which case, I will start. Um, so when I was very... So this movie came out in 1993. Um, I was five years old when this movie came out. And at that time in my life, I was very interested in dinosaurs. And, like, every science museum my family would go to, I would buy, like, the little, like, wooden dinosaur assembly kits that you could, like, build, like, a little dinosaur skeleton thing. Um, So I was, like, super jazzed for this movie. And then I... I vaguely remember my parents got it for me for Christmas that year. Um, and so I remember getting like the VHS, obviously like I didn't see it in theaters cause I was five and this movie is PG 13, but they got it for me on VHS for whatever reason. And I think the first time we tried to watch it, I made it about 30 seconds into the opening before being terrified and running and hiding behind the couch. So <laughs> it was like, like a long period of time where I was just like way too scared to watch this movie. Um, but I had, like, a bunch of, uh, like, I had, like, a picture book that kind of, like, went with the movie. So I had, like, all these images from the movie, um, but I had no idea what their context was. And then when I finally was able to, like, actually will myself to watch it, I was like, oh, here's where all those things were. Um, but, yeah, this movie is just, it's really great. It's uh, super fun. Uh, like, the sense of wonder in this movie is just, like, incredible. And even though this movie's almost 30 years old, uh, I still have that, like, dumb kid, five-year-old smile on my face when I watched it last night. <clears throat> yeah, I... It's also still, like, a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, it's spooky. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. No, I, I was just going to say, uh, last night I watched it on the projector, which, like, uh, I have a small room, so it fills a wall. And the scene in which the the t-rex first like pokes his head out it looked like it was coming through my wall and i was like this is spooky (laughs) i'm spooked this is scary (laughs) um my relationship with jurassic park uh is i watched a lot as a kid i had a a t-rex toy that had a part of its like rib cage yes i had that toy too yes it was the best and that rib cage part that chunk uh, immediately got lost. Like yes, no one's. There was no way to keep it on, and so it would fall off, and then you would never found it again. Uh, and so there was always just this exposed rib cage on this T Rex of this toy, <laughs> and his head was like 
able to chomp. Anyway, that's my relation to uh, the movie is that I had that T-Rex toy and that was basically all I cared about in my youth was this toy and this movie. Um, and I I remember like distinctly getting a taste for Jello because of the Jello scene and being like, oh yeah, I could go for some Jello right now. <laughs> all those desserts, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> as a little as a little soon to be fat boy in uh, second or third grade, Aww. just like ready for some sweets. Uh, so, I mean, this movie left a profound impact on my life. Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, so, <laughs> I first saw it. We also had a VHS of it. Uh, I was probably like five years old five or six years old uh like most people watch the kitchen scene from behind the couch uh and then in terms of like play you guys mentioned toys um what my family did is we created a game called raptors where we'd black out all the windows in the basement and then it's basically a form of tag where half the group would be raptors and half the group would be hunters with toy guns. And then they'd have to come down into the basement and try and shoot a raptor before the raptor killed the hunter. I love it. Um, so we didn't have we didn't have toys. We <laughs> made ourselves the toys. Um, but in terms of, like I mentioned, a profound impact on my life uh, pretty much stems entirely from... Uh, Sam Neill's character, Alan Grant, yes. uh, and that's who I will, or what I will be mostly talking about today, um, just in the sense that he was, uh, well, actually, I didn't realize this until, I like, three years ago, I was on a bus on the way to Madison, Wisconsin, and I was like, oh, I should watch Jurassic Park, and then... I realized that he was the first man that I was ever in love with <laughs> at age five. <laughs> uh, and uh, has been more or less the basis for what uh, I look for in somebody. <laughs> so that's primarily what I'm going to be talking about. Oh boy, I'm so ready for this. <laughs> yeah, I think he's an excellent role model for all men, um, but especially for uh, protecting and... Uh, helpful, but like letting you make your own mistakes, kind of man. Oh God, yeah. I mean, do we want to go right into this right now? Let's, sure. Let's go right in. Okay. Well, I was gonna say before we get to Jurassic Park, the actual theme park, I think we should travel to the Badlands to everybody's favorite technology hater, <laughs> Dr. Alan Grant. <laughs> uh, you first see him in this movie. He is tanned. He is wearing pleated khakis and a flannel shirt. He's sweaty, and he's knowledgeable. He's doing a dinosaur dig. Also, he hates computers. I also don't like a lot about computers. Um, And, you know, uh, let's see. I have some notes here. Um, Well, those are just some overall things. First, uh, uh, so, guys, this started out, and I just lost so much steam. Oh, okay. So maybe we'll just work through the movie chronologically. So, uh, you know, in the helicopter scene, when it's bumpy, he's resourceful. He ties his broken seatbelt with his hands, and he's not at all scared. Uh, You know? Counter. I mean, you're not wrong. Like, that is what happens. But also, like, presumably he just fucked over Sattler by, like, stealing her end of the 
of the. Oh, I thought his, it, he just had a broken seat. Yeah, I think everyone else gets seat belts except him, and that's why he looks like. Bleh. Mondays are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gagar. Move on, Gagar. Uh, you know, maybe you guys should just go, and then I'll I'll add some things some things throughout. Oh, that but could you be know, fun. It's it's a. Uh, this movie has great fashion as well. Uh, yeah, let's do it that okay. way because I I have things I just wrote them chronologically. But if I were to just read through them, it wouldn't be as funny. Okay, so yeah, well, Matt, I've really botched this, guys. Ugh. No, it's fine. I think this will be really good. Uh, you like Matt and I will discuss the merits of the movie, and you and you will just like keep sprinkling in <laughs> Sam Neill throughout, which is like similar to how the movie goes, right? Yeah. Like there's and, stuff going. I mean, on. it's less sprinkling and more of a deluge in the movie. <laughs> In the movie or at home in your own cinema? In my pants. Yeah. <laughs> That's yep, what I just <laughs> stood up from the couch and there was a wet oh spot. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh god, this is great so far. Um, so Matt, do you have any? Do you want to to dive into some movie thoughts? I think if a movie starts with a recognizable quote that people quote all the time and it's within the first five minutes, that's how you know you've got a gold movie. And the fact that, shoot ha! Shoot ha! is within the first five minutes is like, ooh, we're in for a treat. It's like, it's nuts from go. And then, uh, and then we get like a little quiet reprieve in the Badlands uh, with that little shithead kid. Quiet for some. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff inside is loud. <laughs> also, he hate. Okay, can I just say one thing? His arc is so great. He goes from hating children to being like the best dad. Yeah, and wanting kids. That look he and and Lorna Lorna Dune give each other God, at the God end. Damn you, Tierney! You show some fucking respect. <laughs> Our queen It's like they. That's nothing but bedroom eyes they've got in that helicopter. Like, they're getting off that helicopter, and they're booking a hotel room right yeah, away. They're getting off and getting off. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, uh, I will say, I'm going to jump right to the literally the last shot of the movie. Uh, in okay. discussing <laughs> Alan Grant's Grant, or Alan Grant's arc. Um, okay. He, this hardened man who couldn't be swayed to like kids or care about anyone besides himself and Lorna Dune. Uh, no, yeah. fuck you. This is not, I will not stand for this. <laughs> but, but by the end, he loves kids and he realizes like, okay, maybe I can be softer and, and kinder. And the last shot of the movie, he looks out of the window and sees beautiful pelicans or herons or some kind of bird. And they're flying and they're so gentle and so calm. And they're the descendants of these great dinosaurs that have been terrorizing them. And it's his recognition of, maybe I don't need to be a dinosaur. Maybe I can be a pelican. And then he took his phone out of his pocket and texted me and said, you up? Uh-huh. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> hey, girl, you up? And, and Journey I, was like... And then he traveled 30 years into the future. Let me be soft with you. Oh, I'd rather it be harder, you know what I'm saying? Let me be a... God, I hope my mother never listens to this. <laughs> um, 
let's just say real quick, just real quick aside. Um, <clears throat> I been telling a couple of my friends here that I've been recording a podcast and they've been like, Oh yeah, I'm really like, excited to listen to it. And one of my friends is a big Jurassic Park fan. And so I mentioned that we were watching this movie for the next episode and I sent her a screenshot of our like group chat <laughs> from, <laughs> from last night. And I won't say, oh boy. <laughs> I won't say what Tierney said, but you can guess you can what Tierney it. said based on what she said so far. And I just took a screenshot and I sent it to my friend and I was like, yeah, things are going to get real weird in this podcast. And I think we're about <laughs> 10 minutes in and they've already gone so far off the deep end. And honestly, I'm just so happy about it. You guys, this is, this is great so far. Um, but to get us back on track, at least partially, uh, I, to like, one of your points, Matt, this movie is really tight. Um, like it's, it's only two hours long. Um, and within 15 minutes, everybody's on the Island. So there's like a little bit of setup. Like there's the, the prologue with the Raptor, uh, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about in a second. Um, and then there's like the background with them digging the Amber. And then there's like the whole sequence in the Badlands. But then pretty much after that, it's like, Oh no, we're on the Island and we're just going to go. Um, and I really appreciate that this movie doesn't waste a lot of time with dumb bullshit. It's like astounding how well introduced every character is. Uh, and like, how you can assume what their role will be, but, like, you can't anticipate their actual arc of, like, Ian Malcolm being this kind of, like, schmoozy, weird, like, conceited writer. He's a bit of a, like, a buffoon, but he ends up being right. Yeah, he's he's very Goldblum. Like, he's Goldblum from Go, of, like, ha-ha, <laughs> Oh, God, that laugh. Which... Uh, that one, uh, when they're back to the helicopter scene in the beginning... Someone tweeted, I think you, I've shown this to you guys, someone tweeted at Jeff Goldblum and was like, what's your favorite line you've ever delivered in a movie? <laughs> and he just posted that scene with that, like, 20-second laugh where he's like, ha, 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 It's so wonderful. If I can get a soundbite of it, maybe we'll conclude this, this episode of with it. Yeah, I um, would love that. Um... But also, to your point, Matt, uh, and I was—I didn't really know when to bring this up, but, um, I mean, Tyranny just dove right into her thing, so, like, I guess I'll just dive right into my thing. Uh, I love this movie. I've probably seen it, like, not exaggerating. I've probably seen this movie, like, 30 to 50 times in some, you know, maybe not all the way through, but, like, in some capacity. Um, there's a lot of dumb shit in this movie. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so. Are you referring to those giant piles that Lorna <laughs> Dune thrusts her hand in? I did write that line down uh, when I was making notes last night when when uh, Jeff Goldblum's like, that is one big pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, okay, so uh, the, the prologue scene, which is this, like, iconic. And to your point, Matt, like, yes, everybody knows that sequence. And as I mentioned earlier, that sequence, like, terrified me as a five-year-old. But the whole, like, John Hammond's whole thing is, like, look at how dope we are. Look at all this technology. Look at all this, like, automation. Spare no expense. Blah, 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 blah. And yet they need 
a dude to lift the gate to get the raptor out of the cage into the other, like, zone. Like, what? That doesn't make any fucking sense. If this whole thing is built on automation, they definitely would have had, like, a like an actual gate that lifts on its own that they just press a button and then some guy doesn't die and then this whole movie is moot like from jump what if that guy was like no i want to do it and they were like we could turn a a button on and it'll do it he's like i want to lift it and then that's his fate so it's also a short arc is that we get a guy (laughs) a guy who earned his death and you get to watch it happen in the first three minutes Maybe. I don't know. I didn't read the book. Maybe it's in the book. That he's that he's he's stubborn. I think it was probably just a way to set the scene of how dangerous this is. Oh, for sure. It's I mean it's definitely like and again, like I said, I love this movie. I've seen it a hundred times and like all of the things that I'm saying are is like very much out of love. But like it's dumb. <laughs> like I, I get that it's it's like it's definitely made to increase the stakes like on a cinematic level like it definitely like you you are watching a movie and i understand that movies aren't real so like they definitely have to make some changes and they have to make some tweaks to kind of like build the stakes of the movie but it just it doesn't make sense and it's it like it's silly you said something there that this is 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 uh, done out of love, and just bouncing off of that, uh, I want to say that everyone, you need to get a man who looks at you the way that Dr. Alan Grant looks at a brontosaurus, right? Or I almost said a brontosaurus rex, a brontosaurus, mouth agape, takes his glasses off for a better look. Also, one thing I, so, you know, it might have been that, it might have been a couple of things, you know, like, just staring at him almost exclusively mm-hmm. in the frame, or there were a number of, of low shots going up at the dinosaurs where you just get a shot of his his bum and those, those pleated dockers. <laughs> uh, but he has tools on his waist belt the whole time he's in Jurassic Park. Really? And... Yeah, well, not he doesn't have like a hammer and stuff like he did in the Badlands, but he has like tools on his waist waist belt, and it's such like a little detail that, I mean, you got you didn't seem to notice. But then again, you probably weren't spending most of the movie looking at him at, uh, at his waist specifically. I was gonna say <laughs> it's such a such a little detail that shows so much about his character, which is that you know like he's prepared for anything and he cares a lot about his work and you know also a lot of the scenes with him and the kids are he's just teaching them mm-hmm. and he's very professorial you know he would be a great dad i think I that's what say, the movie's about <laughs> when you were talking about like him having stuff on his belt i was like that is peak dad right there <laughs> you have like and- the cell phone clip like attached to your belt that you're just like oh i gotta call gotta pop this off real quick like that is peak dad (laughs) what's wild is that like on some level as a five or six year old i realized that he would be a good dad (laughs) and that's part of what (laughs) what does that sound for nothing oh but that's part of like what 
I mean, it's super, like, heteronormative, but it's probably what part of what makes him so attractive is that he's, like, such a good dad, and it's wild that as a small child, I realized oh, that. Oh, I think when you said that, I it, I made that noise because I thought you were saying you wanted him to be your dad. Because oh, <laughs> no. you were five or six, and you were like, you'd make a good dad. Like, I'd enjoy having you as a dad. And then I was like, ooh, we're getting into some... No, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all what I was saying. I do think it's fun, though, that uh, that little boy in the beginning, who, the context of why this child... Who is, like, straight out of Sandlot? Exactly. Just oh, yeah. <laughs> cast, like, they, the casting notice was, like, uh, insufferable, uh, cherubic child who has attitude, and he was like, this is the role I was born to play. Um, <laughs> but his intro of being just, like, indignant about dinosaur facts that he doesn't know because he's a child, and the way that Alan Grant is like, I'm going to slice your stomach open. I mean, the Velociraptor will. And then to have Timmy on the island, who is interested in dinosaurs and is willing to talk about it and doesn't take it uh, for Alan Granted... Uh, and and loves them the way that he does. I think that's also like a, a really interesting and well written motivator for him to like kids. To be like, oh, they're not all insufferable, cherubic faced uh, little assholes. Some of them are sweet boys who wear uh, night vision goggles and summon dinosaurs. <laughs> Timmy is super adorable. Lexi is was is like a little bit frustrating but at the same time she gets like shit on so many times sneeze like her trauma is so much higher than timmy's i feel like (laughs) but it could be that timmy is interested in dinosaurs where she's just terrified from the get-go well i will say lexi uh gets out of the car when it gets tipped over by the di- by the T-Rex. She's out and does not fall over the edge with it. She also gets mm-hmm. sneezed on by a dinosaur, but Timmy gets stuck in the car, throws up on himself, uh, is covered in mud, and then later gets electrocuted. So I feel like he's put through maybe okay. more of a rigor, <laughs> but it does she doesn't want to be there. She she also just screams the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Good kid screams. Um, I do love that tree scene. Oh, yeah. I would, you know, I would love to to spend the night in a tree with <laughs> Dr. Alan Grant. Um, so, one other thing, like, obviously, I want this. <laughs> this is everything Steam I want. rolls right past. <laughs> no, I want you to just, like I said, keep sprinkling or, like, you know, downpouring these nuggets of Sam Neill, uh, and yeah, the rest he, of us will just keep also, on going. <laughs> During that downpour, you know, he's super resourceful. He took a water bottle and just held it out the window and then drank out Genius. of it, you know? I know, truly. <laughs> um, but the uh, one of the things that I really, like, when I was younger, <clears throat> I I had, like, a vague memory of, like, oh, yeah, they're in a tree, and then all of a sudden, like, this car falls on them, like, through a tree. But I didn't really, like, register. Um and one thing I, I noticed, like you were kind of talking about earlier, Tierney, like the just like the small details. 
Um, when I watch this movie once I was older and you realize, oh, when Grant is like trying to get Timmy out of the, the truck, he like just accidentally moves the wheel, just like he puts his hand there and then the wheel moves, which turns the tire, which makes the whole car fall, which I was like, oh, that's like a fun thing. But like, as I was older and as I could like appreciate what was actually happening, I was like, oh, that's cool that they put that just like very small, like blink and you miss it moment in there that causes the iconic like oh shit we got to climb out of this tree immediately otherwise this like fucking jeep is going to murder us (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah the uh the way that they like stack tension and stakes and uh how everything is interconnected because they're all within the same park uh is pretty great and the other thing i realized last night is that the first act um, and this is a structure of a movie that I was like, has anyone done this before? Um, but the villain of the first act is basically the T-Rex because the T-Rex does the whole like van scene. And then as soon as they like get away from that area, the T-Rex disappears besides like eating the Gallimimuses and like running away. But the Velociraptors then shift to the main villain uh, for the basically the rest of the movie. They're the ones who terrorize, terrorize uh, Ellie. They're the ones who kill most of the staff. They're the ones who are, like, chasing the kids down in the mess hall. And so, like, that subtle redirection of, like, okay, there was a big bad T-Rex, but now we're actually going to care about the Velociraptors for a while, makes that ending when the two of them come together and attack each other so much more satisfying because then you're like, oh, this is these are the two big bads and now the final battle will be held with them as the humans escape and get off this island. So it's like so expertly plotted that like, as soon as the T-Rex is no longer a threat, that's when they discover that like the Velociraptor cages have been ripped open and they've escaped into the, into the park. It's so clean and impressive how they do that. And it's not like a sudden shift. It's like the whole time, they're sprinkling in yeah. little bits on how clever and smart the raptors mm-hmm. are. And so then when we do shift, we already know how terrifying it is. Uh, and then I also, throughout the movie, they talk, like, obviously, pretty much everything Jeff Goldblum's character says is about, like, like I guess it's more like chaos theory and everything, but it's all about dinosaurs as animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anyone pretty much who doesn't treat them like the wild animal they are ends up dying uh and then at the end you see what is basically just like circle of life which like you also have put in with the fact that like you have uh carnivorous animals and then like herbivores and so then you're like seeing that it's not just humans they're eating they're also eating raptors i don't know it's very well tied together at the end yeah and the first thing you see is that Velociraptor eating somebody. And then, like was, like you said, the sprinkle of, like, he uses a Velociraptor talon to, like, threaten. Then they also, like, specifically call out, like, you're breeding raptors as, like, ooh, that's not good. And so, yeah, you're right. There are, like, so many beautiful breadcrumbs that, like... Well, and then... Yeah. It, it goes... As soon as they have that realization that's, like, oh, shit, you're doing this stupid thing that you shouldn't be doing then that's when you like really, I mean, you meet Muldoon at the very beginning 
Um, like he's the guy who screams the infamous shoot her line, but like you, the, here's where you like actually meet him and you're like, Oh, this dude, like this is your like quintessential, um, like Steve Irwin, African safari type. Like, I think his backstory is that he's like an African, like not necessarily hunter, but you know, like whatever. Um, and then he tells the, the the whole story about how the raptors are, like, incredibly intelligent and are, like, specifically targeting spots on the fence to see where the weak spots are. So it's like, oh, like, that little seed is planted so that then later when the raptors get out, you're like, oh, well, they got out because, like, yes, the fences were down and they could, but they also knew where they should attack to be able to get out so it's Mm -hmm. like they they do such a good job just sprinkling that in and you mostly forget it like you start with the raptors you mostly forget about them and then they come back in a big way similar to like it starts with the t-rex then you kind of forget about him until he comes back or she comes back in a big way um so it's like really really well done the way it kind of like ebbs and flows between those two um, and then, you know, obviously there's just, like, other dinosaurs that are there for that, like, awe and wonder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, just one other thing about Muldoon. Uh, if we want to talk very briefly, similar briefly in terms of that inseam on his shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Also, who's the insurance man? What's his name? Uh, the one who gets eaten on the toilet? Uh, Gennaro. So he also, he's got a Pharrell outfit going on with the suit and the shorts, yeah. which like, I mean, doesn't look nearly as good as Pharrell, but they're much shorter shorts and he's wearing loafers yeah. and I just, it's a fantastic <laughs> outfit. Like to go back to what we were talking about earlier, it's like the, all the characters are so perfectly established from jump. And like the first thing you see of this guy is he's like in a full suit, like, on some random island in the jungle which like the worst possible choice that you could make (laughs) like there are dudes mining that are wearing shorts and like button downs that are sweating and this guy's in a full suit so he's like clearly just a fucking moron and then he like slips on the rocks he hits his head like he's just like not cut out for this thing and then when he finally goes to the island you see that outfit that he's wearing where he's wearing like a suit with shorts and loafers and no socks and you're just like what did you think you were doing here you fucking idiot also he gets eaten on the toilet which is great like little just desserts is he the first to go is he the first victim yeah uh i think so it's either him or nedry i can't remember which one like actually gets oh, got right. first who's nedry is that newman yeah. uh no he's definitely before newman which every time they have the uh dilophosaurus i just think of you matt going doing your imitation uh-huh. of it <laughs> it's very it's unfortunate that this is a podcast medium guys because Matt's imitation is really on point. It's, it's my favorite dinosaur specifically for that reason. And he's got so much attitude. She. They've all, they're all she's. She's got so much attitude when she, like, cocks her head like, what are you, what are you trying to say to me? And Newman's just like, you stupid dinosaur. And they're like, okay, we're going to get you in your car. This is going to be easy pickings. Uh, and then that beautiful uh, hood that unfurls and, and, and just, like, shudders. <laughs> and shakes as they spit tar is just incredible. It's like, I think that was the moment as a child that I was like, 
this movie fucks. This movie fucks hard. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want that so, moment in every movie. It's just something, like, insane like that. That sequence is obviously dope. And, like, it's fun to watch, like, Newman and, like, the, the follies that, are, you know, happen to him. But that's another, like, dumb thing that I noticed. <laughs> it's like, how did that... How did that Dilophosaur get into the car? Like, his car door is he open. The, he, yeah. like, he's blinded. He hits his head. He falls backwards. But he immediately gets back up. Like, there's no way that dinosaur could, like, crawl over him without him knowing. Again. She's a crafty little bitch. <laughs> Doesn't like, he leave the door open? Clever girl. Yeah, he leaves the door open, but he's laying down in front of the door. There's no way... That he I would thought not... he was by the tire. No, he like he goes to get in the car and he hits his head on like the the frame of the door and he like hits him, oh, his right. head and then like falls back down. But he doesn't get knocked out. He like immediately stands back up and crawls into the car. So again, like it's cinematic and it has that moment of like, oh, you think he's gonna get away? No, just kidding. This dinosaur is gonna fucking eat him right now in this car. Like, so it has that, like, cinematic element of surprise, but, like, when you look at it purely in terms of, like, like, setup and plotting, you're like, well, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, he would clearly know that a giant dinosaur crawled over him, and he just, like, wouldn't get in the car. I was saying, doesn't he leave the door open when he first falls down and meets the uh, Dilophosaurus? Like, doesn't he leave the car on its own when he tries to get the Barbasol yeah. can and leaves the door open? Because I think yeah, I mean, that's what so it sneaks in. No, because there are sequences after that where the Dilophosaurus is, like, following him, like, up the hill. Oh, so I thought it was a different a, one. It, it could be a second one. That's not terribly clear, though. They were double-teaming him? It's not clear. So, And again, like, this is all set out of love, but, like, there's a lot of dumb shit in this movie. And it's like, aw, we still love this movie even though there's a, <laughs> a lot of stupid stuff going on. <laughs> I love it. I think it's like Prometheus if it was good. Where like it's all researchers going to a brand new place that they've been like they never thought they would see about the origins of Earth long before their time. And instead of making bad decisions based on their skill set, like Prometheus, where the biologist is like, Ew, a dead body. I'm spooked. Uh, this one they're like oh, I'm going to put my entire arm in a pile of shit uh, because I've read about what they eat and I'll probably know what's wrong with this Triceratops, which I thought that was one moment that, like, similar to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, where a dinosaur vet is like, I've never seen a dinosaur before, but I know exactly what's going on. That was one where I was like, okay, you know, like, I know what you're doing here, but, like, these creatures have been dead. All you've really looked at is their bones and fossils. There's no way, even if you were, like, a doctor, to be like, I know, she has a cold. <laughs> like, you've never seen this before. Yeah. This is, this is completely new to you. I, I The only... Yeah. It'd be like seeing an animal you've never seen before. Or, like, say all you read were, like, I don't know, unicorn books. <laughs> and then one day you saw a unicorn. You would not be able to diagnose it. Right. And you wouldn't be like, 
oh, if it puts its horn in water, it'll purify that water. Like, you don't know the actual practical <laughs> applications in the real world now. You've read books. Yeah. Uh, See? This is, what, this is what I'm saying. Thank you for I, joining me on the, the right side of this movie. There's stuff that needs to happen, and the, the yada 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 is science fiction. It's like Michael Crichton being like, and then they, I don't know, cloned them with frogs. And then they... <laughs> But the point is that they're coming after them and they're going to eat them all. And you're like, okay. Yeah, sure. Enough. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. And again, like I said, this is all coming out of love. Like I was watching it last night and For I was sure. just like, what am I going to take notes on? <laughs> because I've seen this movie a hundred times. I don't know what to talk about in this movie. And I was like, here's what I can do. I can be a real contrarian asshole and say, maybe Jurassic Park is bad. Whoa. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> it's, it's not bad. <laughs> we should, yeah, we should no. do a quick poll because we talked about Dilophosaurus's. What is everyone's favorite dinosaur in the movie? Favorite as in most interesting or favorite as in like you want to be them? Um, uh, both. <laughs> One of each if they're different, I guess. Okay, I don't want to be a raptor, but they're definitely the like most interesting in the movie. Oh, I would want to be a Dilophosaurus and I think they're the coolest. I would be both. Well, you have a natural disposition for them. Yeah, I spit tar at people normally. Yeah, that is pretty common behavior for you. It's, it's weird. I love roadside <laughs> construction because then I'll just dip my head right in that wet, wet tar, get a big old mouthful, and then spit it at the next person I see. I mean, that's one thing we've always said yeah, about I you. I just love spitting tar. So that's why I would choose the Lophosaurus. Colin? Uh... I honestly would have to say probably Raptor for both. Um, Raptor, like, so when I finally got up the courage to watch the movie, the uh, Raptor kitchen sequence fucked me up for (laughs) several years. Like, I would, like, not often, but, like, I would say, like, once every couple months would have like this recurring nightmare where there were raptors that were like chasing me around my house. So like I have been terrified of raptors forever. Um, So I think I would probably have to choose raptor just because like if I was one, I wouldn't have to be fucking terrified of them. I used to have a recurring dream, not so much a nightmare uh, where (laughs) My brother and I would be playing uh, hide-and-go-seek, and the person who was always it was a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And so you really had to stay super still, because if you didn't, they'd see you, and then they'd eat you. I thought the... And I'd have I thought, that about... Uh, I thought the dream you were going to describe was, like, Sam Neill yeah. crawling, <laughs> crawling across that, like, jello-filled sweet table and being like, oh. let me show you how to hold on to some electrical wire and then just nah, you putting know, his hand on yours you know I mean I think the most tender moment of the whole movie is when he's in the tree and also uh, like leading them to safety yeah. but what if we're going to talk about the electricity scene I just want to say that that you know he's got a great sense of humor Yeah, it's a bit dark <laughs> but it's my sense of humor and that is a joke that i would make and the smirk he does yeah when he looks down at them is like chef's kiss it's niagara it's falls over there also <laughs> open mouth kiss <laughs> it's niagara falls jesus 
Uh, uh, that whole I feel like- sequence is so good. And, like, oh, yeah. the <clears throat> the tension that they build just literally from just, like, climbing a fence <laughs> is incredible. <laughs> like, and, like, the mm-hmm. way they, like, cut back and forth between, like, Ellie finally getting everything up and running and she's just, like, going one by one. And I love the way the camera focuses on her hands moving, like flipping the like the plastic thing and it's a very cinematic way to work through a fuse box exactly like (laughs) like no one's like one two right like when (laughs) most people be like (laughs) when like i blow yeah when like when i trip a breaker in my apartment i'm like fuck and i just like run and grab it like rip the door open see whichever one's like turned off and i turn it back on whereas she's just like one yeah two and the whole time you're just like, oh, fuck, is she going to turn it? Oh, she does? Okay, cool. Oh, is she going to get the next one? Okay, yep, good, she does. It's like, <laughs> it's so incredibly done, or so incredibly well done that you're, like, on the edge of your seat the entire time. Having said that, uh, another really dumb thing is that, like, would the raptor that's just, like, hanging out behind the fuse box wait really for wait? to do the switch? <laughs> I'll let you finish. You're like, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Hammond, I think we're back in there. Oh, fuck, here's this thing that's clearly been there the whole time. Hi. Like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just like, oh, wait, I really was waiting for you to turn the lights on because I couldn't see you. It's like, is that what the raptor was thinking? I don't know. It's this. I thought this, of that last it night. It is unclear their sense of smell. I feel like that's one thing watching it this time where I was like, can they smell people? They can. They seem like they can do everything. They can think. Yep. They can open doors. They can smell and see even if you're not moving. They they can tap uh, echolocation or whatever the fuck that is. Communicate with each other. Yeah, they're 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 ultra predators. And that's why they're so dangerous. Uh, This also has one of my favorite moments to uh, reenact, which is. Ellie, a.k.a. Lorna Dune. Running. I (laughs) fucking hate both of you so much. Uh, Backing up. I keep saying that, like, not even just on this podcast. And people, I would say, almost unanimously hate it. Okay. I'm so happy. And I've had people be like, isn't her name Laura Dern? And I'm like, "Mm, it's Lorna Dune. (laughs) Whenever this I hear is the worst. <laughs> whenever I hear Lorna Dune, I think of the mama the not Mamma Mia, but I guess Mamma Mia. But the ABBA song Waterloo couldn't escape if I wanted. <laughs> but I always sing Lorna Dune couldn't escape if I wanted to. Which is kind of what Lorna Dune in this scene can't do is escape. <sighs> but when she backs up, it's one of my favorite scenes to interact where that arm flops down on her shoulder and she's like oh Arnold and then turns around and the arm just stays gripped to her shoulder and she's like it's like so outrageous and so funny (laughs) that I like it's also such an unceremonious way to kill Samuel Jackson off screen yeah it's so especially since he's like such a great character in this movie and as a kid I don't think I actually until like recently I don't think I knew whose arm that was because it's not attached to anyone that you see. So then I was like, who died? And like, I wasn't paying attention to names. I was a kid and then uh, bad attention. But 
uh, when you realize it's Samuel Jackson, you're like, oh shit, that's why he didn't come back. Yeah, he got that's, eaten. That's why he's just also, like gone yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> I might have missed it. Like, I might have like gone to refill my water or something. But why, how did Jeff Goldblum hurt his leg again? Do we see that? So that that's during like the initial T Rex attack, and like Grant grabs the flare to try and distract the the t-rex so he's yeah like, and then jeff goldblum is an idiot right so he grabs one and he just like starts running around with it and it's really hard to tell like exactly what happens but um i think basically it seems like the the t-rex kind of like lun- like lunges for malcolm's character and like hits him with his snout and like sends him flying and he like Goldblum goes flying through the like the bathroom area that Gennaro was in and so I think at some point when he's like flying in the air and or when he lands I think he just like lands on his leg wrong like it's not it's it's not exactly clear like what happened to him because like when they find when like uh Ellie and Muldoon find him later she's like oh he put a tourniquet on like you can see the camera focuses that he like took his belt off and like tied it around his leg so there's like some element of him bleeding but then a little bit later you can see there's a shot of him where they have like a bamboo reed or whatever like tied to his leg as well almost like a stint so it's like i'm not 100 percent sure like, i mean john hammond <clears throat> tends to him all night long and all the following day and it's like why <laughs> when when like timmy was electrocuted which this is was my thing so it's like 10,000 volts is like what the cta trains are here and if you are grounded if you're not grounded sorry so if you were to jump and put both feet on the electric rail at the same time you wouldn't get the current would just go right through you but because timmy wasn't grounded and the current's going through theoretically would he have been electrocuted uh, I don't, I don't know. I never paid attention in that part of physics class, so I, I don't have a good answer for that. Just some food for thought. Yeah, that I think that scene also <laughs> created was one of the things that created my fear of heights and of being electrocuted. I've been electrocuted. Does it feel you... like uh, tingly? Uh, I fell to the ground. Oh. But my heart hurt afterwards. And one thing that was a, a subtle, like, um, thing that Timmy did, actually, is that because he has to keep running and he keeps, like, clutching his heart. Like, when oh, they're wow. in the kitchen as well, he keeps holding his heart. And I'm like, that's – someone must have told him that because there's no way a kid would know. But I was like, that's a very nice detail. Sounds like a Spielberg move. He's really good at research. Yeah, we're we're reviewing one of Tierney's favorite director's movies. I, was, I have a I have a note here that just says, "Ask Tierney about Spielberg." <laughs> so <laughs> I knew we were going to get here at some point because we all know that you love this movie, and we also all know that you hate Steven Spielberg. So speak on it. Well, this movie is probably the least. It's it's more like. I don't hate him as a person. I just hate some of the choices he makes in filming his movies, which is that they just 
it sometimes it feels like he's trying to shove pathos down our throat instead of showing us things and making us feel uh and the main thing I have problems with, God, I'm saying this and I'm probably like never, ever, I'm going to be put on a blacklist or something. Uh, I just think that most of his movies could end seven minutes earlier than they currently do. What about this one? Uh, this one, no. This one ends was, so abruptly. I was going to say. Yep. This, and that's, I think, why I like yep, it. I actually had that thought when I was watching it last night. I was like, I know Tierney doesn't like Spielberg's endings, but this movie... Like, it does, we talked a little bit about it, it does have that, like, sweetness to it that, like, a lot of his endings do, um, but it- I think it's just that he's, his movies, it's, like, so nice, and I am broken, <laughs> and I, and I want things to not always be nice. Right, well, and it's, like, things can have a happy ending, but, like, his thing is, like, you have the ending, and then you tack on, like, a secondary ending to, like, really drive the point home. And it's like, yeah. that's what he usually does. And in this movie, like, again, it has that sweetness. It has that shot of, like, the kids kind of, like, cuddling up to Grant on the helicopter as they're flying away. And it's like, oh, that's sweet. But, like, it doesn't have, like, that's it. That's the end. That's, like, the, well, we have, the like, the final confrontation. The T-Rex comes, saves the day. They get on the helicopter, and then they fly away. And, like, that's it. Well, there is so a post-credit like, sequence. Is there really? Yeah. No. And it's and it's there's the three velociraptors that you've seen for the movie. Are they holding hands and singing Kumbaya? They're all in a cabin and they're reading and they and and one of them lowers their glasses and looks out the window and smiles because they realize that they don't have to be predators anymore. They can just all relax and read some books finally. But then BD Wong's character pops up and he goes, "Good thing I've got all this dino blood." And then it says, the dinosaurs will return in Jurassic World. Did you see that post-credit? Okay, one thing about Jurassic World. I missed it. (laughs) Uh, One thing about Jurassic World that I thought about last night while watching this movie is now that we know that dinosaurs had feathers, why why are they still reptilian? Marketing. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to... You're not going to change the iconic stuff from this movie. But this movie led to, like, a huge, like, surgence in, uh, a huge surge. Surgence isn't a word. A huge surge in, like, paleontology as a field. And so, like, we know way more about dinosaurs now because kids who grew up watching this movie are now discovering stuff about dinosaurs. To where it's like, wouldn't they be the fan base of this movie? Here's what I'll say. I don't know. I said marketing as a joke for the internal world, saying that Jurassic World, finding out that information would be like, nah, it's better if they got scales. But I will say, in terms of a <laughs> reboot, if Jurassic World was like, okay, it's basically Jurassic Park, but this time we're giving the dinosaurs a whole new look, and they're going to look different, and that's why it's a different movie. I think I would enjoy Jurassic World more if they looked colorful and nuts just like covered in feathers with like weird beaks and if that dinosaur talked which i if we talk about jurassic world i will talk about how that dinosaur should talk in my opinion (laughs) i have no idea what you're talking about there's a dinosaur Um, in jurassic world that's a blend of a bunch of different ones and they keep going like oh that was in the first jurassic world the super yeah, the super yeah, and one. And they keep going like, there's something else. He's got something else in him. And then as he's walking up to them in the end, just the same way 
that our beautiful T-Rex in this Jurassic Park walks up to them. Or I guess the Velociraptors. In any case, uh, when that Indominus Rex is walking towards them, I was like, he's he's going to be like, supper time. I'm a sassy bitch who loves drama. <laughs> I get ready for some drama. Yeah. That's what I thought. Uh, and it wasn't. It was not to be. Huh. And what is the missing part of him? Velociraptor. It's so stupid. Oh. <laughs> Fucking dumb. It should have been. Should have been human. It really should have been. Um. Bef- I, other things about Jurassic Park that I want to talk about. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just was looking at my notes here, and I have a bullet that just says "deliciously floppy hair." I'm assuming that's Alan Grant. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't. I on the one hand, I feel like I need to ask follow-ups, but on the other hand, I really don't. Because <laughs> it really says it all. Um, can we spend some time talking about Queen Laura Dern and who? Um, She's who? in this. How? <sighs> yeah, who does she play? In the in the Jurassic Park oh, series. Oh, do you mean do you mean Lorna Doon? In the Jurassic Park series, we really need to get some justice for Ellie Sattler because she is one of the best parts of this movie and then like is just completely thrown away for the rest of the series and it's really upsetting. Uh no, she and uh Sam Neill are both going to be in the new one, but it was unfortunately they stopped production because of the coronavirus but they're both going to be in it right no i know but i'm just saying like so malcolm gets his own movie the second one grant gets his own movie the third he's one. in that what i didn't know malcolm was in the second one what's the yeah. one that opens with the with the people parasailing and they go through a cloud and then everyone on the bottom is gone and eaten that's the third one uh, okay uh, that one i remember yeah so grant it makes sense because yeah. that's the one grant said <laughs> yeah, yeah this this <laughs> this checks out um but no like her not her sole motivation in this movie but like one of the things in this movie is that like they are clearly a couple and they like she wants to have kids he doesn't really want to have kids by the end of the movie he's like come around on that and it's like oh great they're gonna like be together happy yeah exactly (laughs) um and then in the third movie she's like married to some random dude and has a kid with him and i'm like whoa 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 what the fuck like where where did this all come from so that's upsetting and then yeah she's just like she hasn't gotten her own movie and she's i mean she's not the best but she's like she's queen she's pretty great yeah and she's super like i mean i definitely felt threatened by her as a child I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely liked her as a kid because she's, she's like a scientist, so she's super smart. And then she also is like not a girly girl. And as you guys are aware, I was not a girly girl. Right. Uh, like, uh, and there are a bunch of lines where she's like similar to like the Lord of the Rings where she's like, I am no man. There's a bunch of them where it's like, yeah, but. Like when she's like, yeah, and then woman inherits the earth. Iconic stuff. (laughs) And then like, uh, she's the one that has to go and put the, so there's like a lot of like, she's a a bit of a badass in it. But one thing watching it now, so the last time I would have watched it would have been, I guess like 2017 maybe. But that whole scene in the beginning in the car with 
Dr. Malcolm where he's like coming on to her hard. So strong. Holy shit. So strong <laughs> and is like so uncomfortable to watch. And she, what's, what I noticed this time, which I hadn't noticed before, is that she keeps looking at like Alan Grant yep. to be like and I don't know if it's like can you help me here or if it's like are you okay with this and he's just like dinosaurs <laughs> yeah like when he and, when Malcolm is doing his whole like chaos theory thing with the water droplets and she's just like hey hey Alan look at this <laughs> it's like hey yeah. asshole like, pay attention to what's and happening part of, at first it's like hey is that just like a look at this cool theory and then it goes on and she's like but actually can you help me <laughs> and he's like wow they've got a tail incredible <laughs> <laughs> they look exactly like I imagined they would look like from their skeletons <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys that my mom, when we were younger, uh, probably as a result of this movie, and potentially, I mean, my uncle is an archaeologist, so we wouldn't be unfamiliar with digs, but she got us, like, tackle boxes that she would put, like, old toothbrushes and paintbrushes in, and then, like, cleaned chicken bones, and we would... We would bury them in our front yard and then dig them up like a bunch of losers. That's so cute. <laughs> Here's and I have yet to find someone who did something similar, just burying food and digging it up. I mean, I think there's like toy companies that sell that shit and like, oh, here's a briefcase with a bunch of fake bones and some tools to like make it up, figure it out. And I think you were just ahead of okay. the curve. You were doing that. My mom, not me. Well, she she should have. Maybe she sold that. Maybe secretly, <laughs> she has like a trust fund of all that dino dig money. She's probably like, this will get them out of the house and not killing each other for twenty minutes. <laughs> oh no, the research lab is locked. You have to stay outside until you're done. <laughs> until you found every single bone. <laughs> uh, I. You mentioned John Hammond. We have not talked about John Hammond almost at all. What a treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, a vision in white. Uh, so enthusiastic. <laughs> I think his arc of being like, I just wanted to show everyone something amazing. And then realizing at the end, like, burn it to the ground. Is, like, incredible and so sad. Uh, but I love him as a character. God damn, do I love that cane. Uh, and I love the whole oh. outfit that he's got going on. You know, you mentioned the cane, and I think uh, we need to discuss something that happened in our mutual yep. uh, uh-huh. shared history. Uh, of a number of years ago, for Halloween, we basically, I think it started because we discovered that my beach outfit looked like Alan yes. Grant. And this is pre-me realizing that he was my sexual awakening. <laughs> Can we just unpack that for a second? <laughs> Five-year-old uh, Tierney had a sexual awakening to fucking Alan Grant. I'm just joking. <laughs> it was, it was later than that. Uh, but uh, we were. I think I was going to be Alan Grant, and then you were going to be John Hammond, yeah. and then Matt went on on eBay. Oh God! <laughs> and ordered a piece of amber mm-hmm. to put on a cane, uh-huh. and. uh... <laughs> and then it arrived one day. How much did you spend on that, Matt? Um, I think it was like $24, and uh, I did not read the size or dimensions of this piece of amber with a fly inside of it. 
Uh, and when Did I, it even have a fly inside of it? I thought it was just like a piece of amber. Yes, there was a bug inside. That's why I purchased it. I wouldn't have just bought a piece and of amber without a piece. Well, I thought of, you were. Just, I thought you were just like I need something f- to complete the costume, so I'll just buy this piece of amber. I didn't realize it had like an actual bug in it. No, there was a bug. And, well, anyway, it arrived in the mail, <laughs> and Matt excitedly opened the package at the kitchen table. To reveal what was not a, like, baseball or egg-sized piece of amber, but a... M&M? Dime? (laughs) Like a a peanut M&M-sized piece of amber. In my head, it's bigger still. When I think about it, I'm I'm imagining it slightly smaller than that cane piece of amber. And being like, oh, but it just would have been a little too small. And I do forget it was it was a peanut M M&M and M size. It was the smallest piece of amber that could have possibly been delivered to me with anything inside of it. Um, I mean, did you even need a package? You could have slipped it in an envelope. They probably yeah, could like, have mailed it taped to a postcard. Is how small it was. <laughs> they just throw like just a forty-two cent stamp on there and call it good. And the USPS is like. Yeah, this checks out. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely still have that piece of amber. I will, if we, there's a way for us to like attach pictures to episodes of the podcast, uh, we. C- I think if we're doing a website, we can have like a little page for a each little one. gallery. Because uh, uh, I was also thinking of adding that sweet, sweet gif someone made on the internet of the money shot, as you called uh-huh. it, Matt, <clears throat> of Jeff Goldblum laying on his side with. Sam Neill hugging that <laughs> triceratops, and as Jeff Goldblum breathes, Sam Neill moves with him. It's very good. It's a great uh, gift. But anyway, we can definitely add it. That gets to like, so please send us a picture and use like your finger as a comparison, uh, or perhaps a I'll ruler. I'll put a bunch of different comparisons, uh, or just a to peanut size, a peanut M M&M. and M. Yeah, that's yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's good. It was the worst that, purchase I've ever made, and I considered going as sexy John Hammond so that I could wear it. <laughs> As an amulet or necklace, because I was so, I was so angry that I couldn't use this stupid piece of amber, that I was like, how can I still incorporate it and have fun and also not be super hot uh, on Halloween? And my my, but also super hot. But also super hot. And so my idea was short shorts that were white, uh, an open white shirt showing lots of chest hair. My, my my V of chest hair and <laughs> and then just a piece of amber hanging out around my neck. I did not do it. Uh that would not have worked, but I still have that amber uh and it survived. So So you're saying that the sexy John Hammond costume is still in play? I've for considered it Halloween. I've considered it every Halloween. <laughs> Okay. I mean, it's actually what you're describing would be a pretty good costume. That, you get a little Panama hat as yeah, well. And that yeah, and like a young John Hammond. I'm John Hammond when he was like dinosaurs fuck. You're John Hammond. That was also an idea I had that year was to blend John Ham and John Hammond, <laughs> but I couldn't figure out what the angle was. I was like, is there anything? You could wear the short shorts and then put a cucumber in that's your pants great, and have it poke out the bottom honestly, of it. Honestly, that's a great, a great idea. Oh, man. I can't tell if you're joking. Maybe I'll still do that. No, I think it's a great idea. Because um, it was, uh, to be clear, I'm not being a perv. It was like a notorious thing on the Mad, Mad I almost said Mad Max, Mad Men set that in the 60s, 
But those later episodes in the short shorts, they had to like edit out his schlanga. <laughs> yeah, John John Ham has a huge dick. We all know it. Everybody's seen it. Yeah. Or or whatever. <laughs> he's got he's got some VPLs across the internet. <laughs> What's a VPL? Visible penis line. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought to abbreviate yeah, that. Visible sure. penis lines. Yeah, you gotta keep an eye out for them. They're all over. Um, but <laughs> we kind of touched on one of the other things I wanted to talk about with this movie is like just all of the the memes and just like how this movie has persisted um, is kind of impressive. Like yeah. they're very, I mean, this is a, a great movie. There's a lot of really like the CGI in this movie is phenomenal. And, like, especially when you kind of put it in, like, context of when it came out. But even now, like, watching it last night, there are certain shots where it's like, this is just as good CGI, if not better, than some shit that I've seen that's been released, like, within the last couple years. So, like, you know, it it holds up on, like, the technical level. But it's also, like, how many movies from 1993 do you still, like, keep in heavy rotation? Or does, like, the internet have a love affair with? Um, so I think like the fact that this movie has been able to persist for so long in that way, uh, is really impressive. Like, uh, Tierney, like the, the GIF that you were mentioning, um, and like the woman, so my coworkers and I do, uh, bar trivia every once in a while and the woman who hosts our trivia, she like hooks her computer up to like the T the bars, like, um, TV systems. So whenever there's like a, a visual round, she can like project on there and her background is like a picture of Ian Malcolm, like the picture of Ian Malcolm with a, his shirt off. And I'm like, this is incredible that this movie is is still around in this way. And what I find uh, very amusing is that that photo and that character, when you think of Jurassic Park and people like or at least this is maybe just, like, my friends, people they would have had crushes on in this movie would be Jeff Goldblum, which makes sense because he's, like, charming, is shirtless, <laughs> uh, and not Alan Grant. What I, what I will <laughs> say, though, and this is something that I noticed on my rewatch. But Alan Grant is the better okay, choice, so, you know. fine. <laughs> on my rewatch, I was like, no one is, like outright sexy like they're all just like professional archaeologists stop okay and i know you've got a crush on sam neil but he's like buttoned up and he's like a normal dude no he's not he's got a couple buttons down and he's wearing a cravat i'm just saying (laughs) sex appeal was not top of the list for jurassic park and then that instead is filtered through like better characters intelligence and it's funny that jeff goldblum at the time uh, was this, like, kind of sex symbol that, like, people thought he was hot. And he even he's, like, a weird choice to have, like, sprawled out with his shirt open. Because you're, like, I, I guess he's, like, he's attractive. And he's certainly supposed to be, like, magnetic and sexy in this movie. But, like, it's weird that he's the only character that they could do that with. Because everyone else is, like... Uh, we're working. We're like trying to be professional here. <laughs> I mean, they could have done with John Hammond. 
yeah, with his like pants off, where he's like little fleas, fleas on parade, and he just has his pants around his ankle. <laughs> oh my goodness! Or Newman. Um, was there something else that I wanted to bring up? I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, oh, can we just talk about the score real quick? Yeah, so good. Yeah, an all time, an all time score. It's my alarm clock. Uh, so when I wake up in the morning, I wake up to the gentle plinking of and it only gets louder the longer I let it go. And so it's the perfect alarm clock to like gently nudge me awake or if I really will not wake up. It's like the perfect alarm clock. I recommend it to everyone. Um, the score in this movie is so fucking good. Like, it's unreal how good the score is. Um, and while we're here, everybody's favorite segment of looking at how a movie performed at the Academy Awards. Hell yeah. John Williams did not get a nomination what? for this score. <laughs> what was even that year? Gross. First of all, Tierney, you're right. Gross. Uh, <laughs> second of all, John Williams won for Schindler's List. I see. Um, right. Uh, he split the vote with himself. He scooped himself. Um, Wait, Schindler's List was the same year as Jurassic Park? Yeah. So Spielberg had two movies come out that year? Yeah. That's why he was oh. the director for, like, the entirety of the 90s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the original score is Schindler's List, which won Age of Innocence, The Firm, The Fugitive, and The Remains of the Day. To be fair, I've only seen uh, one of those movies, but this is a goddamn crime that Boring. he was not nominated for Jurassic Park. I've this seen is... a spoof of The Fugitive. <laughs> it's called Wrongfully Accused, starring yeah. Leslie Nielsen. There it is. <laughs> Came out in 1998. Uh, <clears throat> I just dropped my iPad. My iPad! Um, but yeah, like, what the fuck? This is, like, one of the most iconic scores of all time. They sometimes will play parts from the score during the Olympics, which also, RIP 2020 Olympics. Um, but the score... It's okay, we'll just get, we'll just get two stacked Olympics. We get the summer in 2021 and the winter in 2022. It's fine. Go hard. Go hard, Olympians. <laughs> um, but when they play, it's like, it's the most triumphant music, which is like what John Williams is great at. But it's so, like, pulse racing and so uh, energetic and big. And it, you just don't get scores like that anymore, where it's just these big anthems for the whole movie that you can like sing without words you could just know the whole song yeah um harry potter is a bit like that as well which one harry potter but that's also exactly john williams. it's just another john williams yeah it's um, wonder lord of the rings what lord of the rings fantastic score yeah, that is a good score um Let's see. So Jurassic Park was nominated for the following things. Uh, best sound editing, which it won. Best sound mixing, which it won. Good. Best visual effects, which it won. Good. Um, I'm happy with all of those. And it's 
will f forever be annoyed that it didn't win uh, best score. Related to sound editing, uh, the sound of the Tyrannosaurus uh, was a combination of dog, penguin, tiger, alligator, and elephant. So that's all the things you're hearing when it goes... I saw that on the trivia thing on Amazon as well. Yeah. Like when you go to the left, it gives you little facts. Uh, is it tattoo time? I was going to say, oh, is yeah. there anything else we wanted to talk about with the movie? No. No. Okay. Um, so I think the the most obvious answer for what tattoo should I get from this movie is Mr. DNA, right? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> that'd be a good one. I like that was the only one that jumped out to me as like like, oh, duh. But I'm open to other suggestions. I personally love logos and corporate uh like fictional corporations. I've got like a real boner God. for them. Um <laughs> Remember when your special place was a Walmart? <laughs> it was misinterpreted. I did not. I was not happy I found a Walmart. I was happy that I made it back to the road that I started, which might be sadder because uh, that just shows how bad I am at navigating. As <laughs> no, but we weren't trying to navigate. To be fair, everyone, this is like was a retreat thing we did and it was like you just make decisions to go somewhere and then supposed to find something that like means something to you and everyone found something that was like pretty meaningful and then when it was master and he found a walmart <laughs> and goes oh we're back <laughs> that was not my intuitive treasure it was interpreted as such by everyone in the car and I have not been able to live it down. Anyway, I choose... No, your intuitive treasure was finding your way home. And also, I made it up and I said this I bear statue was. I was like, this bear statue will do. No, I think it was the Walmart. <laughs> I do think it might have been the Walmart. Um, <laughs> here's what I'm going to suggest is the logo for InGen. Uh, uh, which I just think okay. is a cool logo. And it's the genetic company that's behind all the, the dino Yeah, DNA. but the... InGen is the villain of yeah. the second one. Yeah. That's why they're cool. Because they're bad guys. <clears throat> I will say that, like, just, like, the original Jurassic Park logo yeah. is so iconic. Like, that font, that, like, T-Rex skeleton with, like, the yellow background is just incredible. I don't know if it would work well as a tattoo, but, like, holy shit. That, just, like, that visual is unbelievable. Yeah. Or when that banner, when dinosaurs ruled the earth. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And kind There's of so like many... wavy, like it's falling. That would be yeah. cool. There's so many iconic shots in that movie. Like there's that one. There's like the one where. There's him taking off his glasses. <laughs> the, yep, the glasses. Uh, there's literally every single shot that Sam Neill is in. Uh, there's the one with the, like the raptor in the control room with the DNA sequence like on its face yeah um which <clears throat> again another dumb thing like that doesn't make sense like there's no projector in there where is that coming from <laughs> uh but it, like it just it looks so fucking cool that you're just like i don't even care how how dumb this is <laughs> like that just looks awesome and i'm here for it uh the shot where the t-rex like gets its face right next to lex and tim's car 
and like the flashlight goes to its eye and you just see its eye like its pupil uh like there's so many just incredible shots in this movie yeah and i never never get sick of looking at them a velociraptor talon would also be a cool tattoo just the talon i thought of that oh, yeah okay interesting with like the little knock and have it like slightly ripping open the skin yeah oh cool. there we go okay Gallic. Maybe I could do the, I could do the thing from the T Rex doll that we had, and just like get a tattoo like right on my rib. Yeah, that just shows you like get... the inside of my body. I'm a toy with the part <laughs> fall off. <laughs> Don't you get it? Off immediately. <laughs> you could get John Hammond's amber, but then have it matte sized and have it like just a freckle. See, but then the tattoo artist would probably just be like, "Is it even worth it at this point?" <laughs> Like, but it'd be so much cheaper. Like just, I'm sure. just go stand in the sun and get like a new freckle or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Um, to be fair, I have done the same thing with a number of work purchases where I don't look at the dimensions and I order like six gallon coffee filters. I once ordered a jar to put paper clips in that was like at least four gallons oh my god you're like we could put a lot of paper paper clips i mean we did it's enormous it's like this big round oh my god. um uh oh i just also remembered uh i think it was for the lost world it was for one of the jurassic parks i think burger king was giving out watches uh that were themed like Jurassic Park, and there was one that was Velociraptor themed, and the face of the watch was a holographic Velociraptor eye with like the slit pupil, and it was so dope, and I loved that watch that. so much that I created a superhero based around that watch, where I was like, the watch turns me into a Velociraptor, and then I use Velociraptor powers to fight crime. It got real muddy real quick. But that watch was dope, and I wish I had it now because I'd still wear it. I th- I do remember. I, that watch. I think it was for Lost World. I also remember that watch, but I don't think it was for the original. Mm. They also made goggles, like swim goggles, that had <clears throat> the raptor eyes. Yeah. Good. They still make those. Good shit. I mean, look at us. We just turned into Gennaro talking about all the merchandise. <laughs> they really. I, in Jurassic World, when they show all the t-shirts that were never bought in the abandoned Jurassic Park, I was like, I'd buy one of those t-shirts. If you put that up on eBay, I'd buy that fucking t-shirt. You have bought one of the I t-shirts. do have one that's uh, Jurassic Park, and it's in Japanese instead of Jurassic Park. And everyone's like, why is it in Japanese? And I was like, I don't know. It's from Hot Topic. <laughs> of course it's in Japanese. I thought, you, I thought you bought that when you went to the... Oh, I have one from the Kualoa Ranch, which is where they filmed the movie in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, and that, and I took a picture underneath the stump where the Gallimimuses jump over. Uh, and then that's also where they filmed Jurassic World. So they had this t- t-shirt with all the different uh, films that were filmed there. And Jurassic Park was obviously the big one. Maybe I'll wear that shirt today is what I'm going to do. Because uh, it's, it's a little too tight, so I don't wear it out. But we're all trapped inside anyway. So it's time <laughs> no to show... No going out. <laughs> it's time to show some navel, baby. <laughs> oh, man. 
Don't forget to send us a picture of your amber. I'll I'll put the amber in my belly button wearing that shirt. Oh my god, please. <laughs> we'll immediately lose all of our non-followers. <laughs> oh boy. Um anything At else least that anybody wants us. to talk about with the movie before we and no, but, and this uh, mercifully for anyone who has made it this far into the podcast. <laughs> no, but just in terms of next week or next podcast podcast uh matt mentioned uh lorna dune reminding him of mama mia oh my god no i no that's a joke we're not doing mama mia i can't (laughs) okay unless unless we surprise everyone and we do it but we're not doing it unless we surprise you and we do it it'll be a surprise we won't tell anyone what we're doing next week but we'll decide after we stop recording i think at some point in the life of this podcast at some point, we will do Mamma Mia, but you will not know it's coming, and it will just appear, and you'll know that we finally did it. Um, but I think it should be... Clever girl. Yeah, it should be a, a secret of when we're going to do it or not. And whether or not I'm going to participate, uh, also not a secret, I will not be participating, because fuck Fair. that movie. <laughs> it used to be so nice, it used to be, used to so, be good. so good. Ugh. Okay, um, we... Did we want to wrap up the same way we did the last time? And talk yeah, about we well we went like heaps over time. Yeah, I mean <laughs> we can edit it can, down. You can edit it down or not, whatever. Who cares? Um, All right, Tierney, what what have you been up to this week, or what are you what are you interested in, or whatever? Um. Uh. <laughs> okay, well we'll we'll come back, Matt. <laughs> Um, I have not started yet, uh, but I will be watching Tales from the Loop, which is on Amazon Prime. It's based on a book uh, from the same artist of a different book that I have. Uh, but I was like, oh, shit, I love this art style. Uh, but it's like an alternate 80s where everything was like uh, corporatized and like a machine waste- wasteland. It looks cool. I'm excited. I'm going to be watching that. Uh, and also... Uh, because I want to become as insufferable as possible after this quarantine, I am currently 112 pages into Infinite Jest and no. slowing down because I gotta get some focus and I keep losing focus. Ugh. Probably because it's not very so good. So far, it's incredible, but it's very dense and confusing. But it's incredible. But it's confusing. I'm gonna continue. Thomas Pynchon forever. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to continue never reading Infinite Jest, and I'm okay with that. Tierney, did you think of something? Or do you want me to go? Um, I've been rereading some Martin McDonough plays. That's been fun. Ooh. Oh, shit. That just reminded me. I uh, probably won't get to see my friend be in Pillow Man because of this fucking coronavirus. Oh, no! Damn it. Dang. All right. Well, maybe I'll just have to read it along with you. Have you read that one yet, or are you, is it on the docket? No, I've read. Uh, I've, uh, I reread Beauty Queen of Linane, uh, Skull and Connemara, and then I'm about to start Lonesome West. Okay. It's like a book. I have all three of them are together. Okay. If you decide to reread Pillow Man, let me know because I will jump on that bandwagon. I don't have it. Like, I don't own it, and I don't have it with me. I own it. So it's unlikely. I own it and can uh, and can figure out how to ship it to you or something. Okay. It's not urgent. I have a long reading list. 
Okay. Oh, I could tell you something this week. <laughs> I've gotten really into um, the idea. So my lease is up uh, June 1st. And I really want to buy a sprinter van and convert it into like a home like Alex Honnold has in Free Solo. And that's what's been mostly occupying my mind. That sounds fun. I love that. Um, do you want to share with our listeners um, your alternative to a van that you found when you were Googling the other day? Uh, yeah, so then I started looking at station wagons because uh, my brother has an old station wagon. I was like, I wonder if I could convert that. And then I found somebody had converted a hearse. And I was like... <laughs> Can you imagine rocking up to a campsite and seeing a fucking hearse? I would turn around and leave immediately. Also, like, why would you choose to, like, sleep in that? So I mean, incredible. it's particularly good for sleeping. Especially eternal oh. sleeps. <laughs> it's built for it. It's got a big oh. old bed in the back. Oh my god, it's incredible stuff. It would be funnier if the bed was a coffin, and you like... Would it be funny? (laughs) I'll be hilarious. You just popped open from the coffin, and we're like, good morning, other campers. It's a beautiful day, huh? (laughs) Jeez. Um, Well, on that note, the uh, thing that I've gotten into this week is uh, virtual ticketing, which is a thing that like indie studios have partnered with a bunch of indie theaters across the country and have been releasing movies that were supposed to go to theaters right now, but obviously aren't going to theaters because theaters are closed. Um, they've been releasing them online as like a, a virtual platform, per- virtual ticket. Um, so the way it works is you go to like your favorite indie film theaters website and then they like link you to the film the studio and you pay $12 which is pretty much like average movie theater ticket price and then you get like a virtual rental so um you can pay $12 and see a movie that would normally be in theaters but uh is not so i the other day i got paid on thursday and i proceeded to immediately rent six <laughs> movies <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, So I've been working my way through them, um, which is pretty fun. Um, And one of the other things I like about it is that even though I no longer live in Chicago, I can still uh, support the music box because the um, ticket price is split evenly between the theater that you rent it from and the studio. So for every $12 rental, music box gets $6, and then whatever studio is releasing the film gets the other 6 So. Um, cool. I still get to support my beloved uh, from afar. So, uh, but yeah, so that's been pretty fun. Um, and at least the theater in Denver that I've been working with has new movies every Friday that they're adding to their list. So um, that's something that I'm probably going to keep on my radar uh, as this quarantine continues indefinitely. 